Welcome to another episode of At Home with Leaders, this new mini series part of the Leaders Performance Podcast. I'm Matthew Stone, Senior Product Manager here at the Leaders Performance Institute. Welcome back to our returning listeners and to the new listeners. Thank you for joining us. We hope these conversations on this podcast will attempt to uncover what the smart people within high performance are doing now or will do in the future while business and sport is not usual. Alongside me once again is top sports psychologist and more importantly, friend and colleague, Mr. Michael Caulfield. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm particularly well. Uh, as you get me here in the UK in early morning, it's one of those perfect spring mornings. I couldn't be luckier or healthier. Good to hear. Excellent. Well, we're very privileged to have today's guest on this episode. All the way from Japan, it is current England head coach, Mr. Eddie Jones. Morning, Eddie. How are you today? Uh, not too badly, thanks, guys. What's your work setup like? Is working from home a new experience for you or are you, are you used to it by now? Uh, yeah, well, it's not that much different for an international coach because... Post the Six Nations, we um, we don't have much contact with the players at all. Um, the only thing we're missing is face-to-face with our staff. So whilst it's a, a little bit more difficult than it was before, I, my work routine is not much different. You know, I train in the morning, uh, generally try to do some thinking stuff in the morning, which is my best time. Afternoons is more meetings and then uh, finish off with a bit more thinking stuff at night. So... I've set up an office in a hotel in, in Tokyo, so I'm, I'm uh, working as, as well as I can. Good stuff. How is your family and what are the things like in Japan and also at the RFU right now? Uh, yeah, for the family's okay. My mother's uh, 95. She's in Australia. She's as good as gold. She's pretty <laughs> tough, old bugger. So hopefully she's all right. And my wife's with me here in Tokyo, so, and my daughter's in Australia, so they're okay. Uh, the England rugby... Family for the players, I think it's pretty tough. Um, I think for all sports people at the moment, it's tough because there's so much uncertainty about what's going to happen. Yeah, obviously there are financial issues around, and it's a new experience for for, for young people particularly. Uh, so there's a great variance in in how they're coping with it. And is, are you learning new skills? I, you've been coaching all your life, but are you learning new communication skills even at this stage now with the global pandemic because it's forced us inside online the whole time? Are you yourself learning new ways of new things about yourself as a communicator? Uh, well, I think it's a really good point. But uh, well, the other the other part of that is I think that what it has accentuated is for for coaches particularly communication. You've got to ability now in this period of time to improve your communication skills and that's what I'm trying to do because when you when you're talking in this virtual way your ability to get your message over quickly and concisely and then check for understanding is 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 a lot more difficult than it is when you're face to face and you can pick up the the body language and the nuances of the, of the people you're talking to so I think it's a really interesting time for coaches to improve their communication skills and certainly that's what I'm trying to do. I've, I've never met you before but I've now met you twice virtually both times I've, I've never seen you in the flesh in my life only only but we've managed to think in those two short meetings Eddie we've managed to form something uh, via our via our communication. I know that you're huge on the use of language and if I can be honest with you, I follow your press conferences, I follow your reactions, I, it, it's, it's lively, it's interesting, and pray God it's never dull. 
So have you found yourself digging deeper into your linguistic skills to make sure you can get your message across because you've only got this one little window now to do it in? Yeah, no, no, I think that's a good point. Uh, I've also been trying to do a bit of reading. We, we've got a young analyst in our coaching staff who's very good at, at looking at different the different learning stereotypes of the generations at the moment. So we've been doing it a fair bit of work on that and I just had a discussion with a young player on yesterday um, and, and tried a different method with him and got him to finish the conversation with drawing up how he saw himself as a player and then how he's going to service his team and it was quite an interesting little exercise which I've never done before so then he sent a photo of his diagram to me and I said well that's fantastic you understood what I said you've got a good understanding of where you need to go and that can be a a bit of an identity map for you going forward. So, yeah, it, it makes you more creative, I think, in the, in the way you try to get your messages through. Do you think you can generally build some, I'll be honest with you now, I've only met you the twice virtually, that I think in sport and high performance at your level, there's a, trust is a huge thing, trust between player and coach uh, and staff. Do you find that you can build more trust during this period than you might have done if it was just a normal, regular routine, waiting for the players to tour? I think you were touring Japan this summer. Can you build trust in, in this new virtual world? Uh, I don't know whether he can build trust. I think he can in, increase the players' awareness that you care for them because I think one of the interesting things now with the players, you know, I try to contact every player in our 45-man squad once a week. But for some of the players, it'll be about training, but not too many. More will be about how you're doing, how you're going. And I think it's just that if you've got the ability to show you, you care for them, um, that you've got the ability then to, when you get face-to-face with the player, um, follow through with that. Because I think trust is such a dynamic uh, engagement that, you know, one behaviour that can can change, that can break that trust. So I think what you're trying to build up is a reservoir to get that into place. And do you think... And I declared my hand to you uh, earlier, Eddie. I, I do some work with Northampton Saints. That's yeah, where I joined yeah. this season. So we've got a number of your younger players and very established internationals. I haven't seen them, obviously, for a few weeks, and we're all, doing, we're all living in the same way. I've also had the pleasure of working in cricket and football, and I'm finding that a lot of the players, some have struggled, but a lot of the players, particularly in rugby, they've, they've taken it upon themselves to keep themselves fit, uh, they've some of them live together as you know in rugby they're young they two or three in the same house or apartment and I've been really impressed the way they've gone about the last three to four weeks they've kept themselves not just fit but they're being quite creative also have you found that when in your conversations with the players and staff that they've all found their own rhythm to, to get through this particular period so when they come back they're good to, they're good to train uh, I think there's a real variant but I, I also think as you said you know we talk about the players wanting to be more self-directed and self-driven but we create an environment where we don't actually don't allow them to be like that. And this circumstance has created an environment where the players need to be self-driven. They need to be motivated by themselves. They need to show self-discipline. I think it's a great learning exercise for the players at the moment. Yeah, how do you organise your day? You know, we were talking about Courtney Laws. He's got four kids at home. So finding time to train for him is, is difficult. Um, whereas... Yeah, we've got young guys like George Verbank who, who are by themselves, who just got all day to train. But the ability to, to make a meaningful and, and focused decision about what you do and what you get out of it is the key thing. And I think there'll be a lot of young players out there that will learn new skills now, new organisational skills. And I think some of the older players will learn how to manage their home life a little bit better.
Eddie, you said on a call earlier in the week about judging that balance on how much you give people at the moment and how much you let them do for themselves. How have you been approaching this, not not only with the players, but also the staff? Yeah, with staff, quite free. Um, yeah, we've got a, I've got a bit of a reputation as, as a control freak. Um, <laughs> and I, I do like to control it when we're together. But now I think it's a great opportunity again for the coaches to find their own rhythm and find a way to, to work out what's important because you know I speak to a number of people on these calls and people say they're busy now well you can't be busy now <laughs> you, you know you can be busy and, and achieve absolutely nothing but you can achieve a lot and I think the coach's ability to focus on on what's going to make them a better coach when this breaks is going to be really important for them and and we've allowed them to do that a lot by themselves. Is, is this given you a chance to reflect on it's been quite an extraordinary year with with the with the World Cup with the Six Nations, you're 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 with the UK here in England now for the next three and a half years, and you you want to become the greatest rugby team ever. Has it given you a chance to reflect on what's been a pretty high profile and successful year? Yeah, uh, I had a great chat to Danny Carey last night, the hockey coach. And I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he was talking about how they've used this time to really dig deep into their game and work out what's really important. And we've been doing the same thing. And I heard someone talk about it the other day. I can't remember who it was. But the most important thing now is to have clarity, have clear thinking. And, and particularly for a national team where you don't have the players for a long period of time, our ability to say this is the game we're going to play and be able to express that clearly with a group of coaches that, again, have just come together uh, only for a short time is crucial for us going forward because you know if you've got clarity then then you've got the freedom to be able to 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 use your energy and your skills and 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 that's a big thing for us so we're really working hard to get that clarity into our game clarity into our training because the other the other big part of this I think that you know when this does break there's going to be a mad scramble to get organized and and what we want to be is is better organized than every other team. And that means our coaching staff is so, so clear and, and focused in our thinking. Do you think also when, when we do get back, and it's going to be a further few weeks, if not months before competitive sport comes back, I've read your comments with interest because I've had the, I have the privilege. And I always call it a privilege. I've never taken elite sport for granted ever. I don't care how wet and cold and miserable and desperate the game is. I've never taken a single day in sport for granted because it came to me late, so I treasure it every single day. Do you think this is rugby's greatest opportunity since it went professional in 95 to also look at itself, the way the game is played, officiated, governed? Because I think you and I might have the same view here, that the game can be improved and even made quicker and better than it is now. Oh, I think rugby, definitely. And I think all the sports who have relied heavily on TV money, this is going to be like a watershed for them because... We're going to have to change the way we operate. Um, it's never going to be the same as it was. I think, you know, we're going to have smaller squads. We're going to have smaller staff. And I think there's an opportunity for each of the sports to get better and stronger. And, and hopefully rugby, which is just sort of um, mushroomed over the last 20 years from, a, you know, a, a basically a boutique sport played by guys who wanted to gather on the Saturday afternoon and have a few beers afterwards to this highly professional sport with a lot of different leagues and a lot of congestion, I think it's a it's an opportunity for the sport to get really, really, really healthy. Are you really focusing on these types of opportunities with coaches then, Eddie? So when you do get the green light to get back into camp and face to face with the players, you're you're ready to go. And from a tactical point of view, 
Are you looking to reinvent the rugby that you're playing at the moment? Uh, tactically, definitely, mate. Uh, really looking what what's going to be ahead in the game, where the game's going to go, and try to get ahead of that curve. And I think, yeah, from a staffing point of view, just preparing for worst case scenarios. What's going to be the worst case? How can we get best prepared for it? Um, you know, if we have to play eight tests in eight weeks, which would be unusual for us with travel, how are we going to cope with that? Get a really good understanding because you know. In the domestic leagues, they're all talking about when they get back to playing, they're going to be playing three games in a week. Um, and that's going to be reality. And it's going to be how teams cope with that the best and how you set up your team or how you set up your squad and your staff to cope with that. I think it's going to be really important. Yeah, because the other thing that's that's come out of this is that yeah, from a from a higher global level, you can see the value of strong, clear leadership and what what an effect it has on the country going forward. I was in uh, an American part of Japan and and I was watching that New York governor uh, give his presentations every night. It's just an example of great leadership: calm, thoughtful, key stats coming up, clear messages, empathy. Um, and you see some of the other people who are all over the shop. And from a coaching point of view, it's, it's what you want to be doing. Or as a leader, it's what you want to be doing all the time. And particularly now, that clarity and that strength and that empathy is just so important for leaders to have. We spoke to Sam Walker, who's the author of Captain Class. I don't, I don't know if you've read that book. Yes, but, yes, um, yes. He was making some really good points on how the deputy leaders are coming to the fore and showing some brilliant leadership qualities at the moment. Uh, it's not always the presidents or the prime ministers, but the experts in the medical side of things. Um, they're brilliant on their oration and how they're addressing the nations. And I guess on that point, just how important is the language you use at the moment? I know you're very specific on the words you use of the players, not just now, but all the time. Is is that something that you think about quite a lot? Uh, massively important. Yeah, and, and, and it's one of the things of, of, of dealing with your players and your coaches is that people only remember things when when you touch an emotional nerve, you know. So the way you can express thoughts that stay in in their in their heads is just so important. And the ability to keep that message fresh. So the the ability to say the same thing a number of times, but say it in a number of ways that keeps it fresh, but you're still getting the same message through, I think is vitally important. And it's interesting, you know, the point about the deputy leaders. One of, one of the key things they're doing is bringing detail to the discussion. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, again, when people are under pressure, they want to know what's really important. You know, it goes back to, again, at halftime, at halftime when you make a, a speech to the players, they're full of emotion. Some of them are fatigued. Some of them are excited. That your ability to be concise and use language that creates an image in their head that they can take on the field is just so important. Can you say too much as a leader? Oh, 100%, mate. 100%. Yeah, and, and particularly now, I think, where some generations' listening skills aren't terrifically well developed, that your ability to be concise, ability to know when to talk and what, and know when not to talk, because you can say a lot by not saying anything. Yeah, and we have a saying in our team that unless you're adding to team business, don't say anything. So, because every no conversation is neutral, is it? it's always it's either having a positive effect or it's having having a negative effect on the team. So, the ability to acknowledge that is really important. I'll ask you again. It's, it's a it's a coaching specific question. I've had the pleasure of working in, in different sports. I, I work in soccer, football in the UK, 
and I know this is always becoming my pet thing in life, but I think the behaviour of coaches, and they'll hear me say this at their conferences too, I don't think it adds much to the game. I think it's become pantomime and the, the dugout, the technical area has become just cr a crazy place. Whereas in rugby, you sit calm in the stands in your, in your box, which is screened off and you, can, and you can look calm. Do you find that detaching yourself from pitch side makes you calmer and able to make better decisions tactically during your game? Yeah, I think so. But I also acknowledge that you can add energy. Yeah, like I watch Klopp coach and he definitely adds something to his team. And, and also, you know, when he's coaching at, at Liverpool's home ground, they want someone out there. They want someone energetic. And he understands the, the psyche of that team perfectly. So I think what you're saying is right. But I also think that there is opportunities to add energy to the environment and, and sometimes adding energy to the crowd is just as important as adding energy to your team. And, are, uh, are, he's, are you he's, able to do that in rugby union still, even from your no, detached? Would you like, I'd love would you like to, to come down there? I, I, think, I think the last 10 or 15 minutes when you're yeah. making changes, I think the time where you can add, add a bit to the game. Uh, I think early in the game, you're much better off being detached and looking from above because by the last 15 minutes, it's generally not tactics that's winning the game. You know, it's the it's cohesive energy of your team that wins the game because your ta tactical situations are almost sorted by then. You're, uh, you're talking to two Liverpool fans here, Eddie, so <laughs> pick up the, no need to encourage us to big up Mr Klopp. That's absolutely fine. Can I, can I just say it's one of the best games of football I've ever seen. I saw that Champions League semi-final last year when they played Barcelona. And, and again, if you talk about leadership, the leadership of Van Dijk, he was just colossal. Like as soon as he's got out there, he's pointing, he's cajoling, he's driving his team on. There was a fantastic exhibition of captains who is Barcelona. I didn't see them get together once during the whole game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the game was slipping away, and there just seemed to be complete lack of communication in the players. I was offered a ticket to Liverpool Barcelona for that semi-final. I turned the ticket down, thinking, well, they're three nil down, so it's a it's probably a a dead tie because they're not coming back from 3-0 down. And I now do a presentation and I think Matt's seen part of it. And I just, I wrote one presentation. It's the only thing I've ever written in my entire life. And it's about that game. And I call it, it's all about people. Because at the end of the game, you've got Klopp and all of his staff and all of his players. They're singing, you'll never walk alone. And in an era where we, we capture everything at the moment uh, with our phones, there were 60,000 people inside Anfield that night. And I can see about six people on their phones because they were so absorbed in the moment. And you don't get that very often now in, in, in life because we capture everything, record it, and send it to our 30,000 new best mates within three seconds. And the reason I use that game is the winning goal was uh, a corner and Trent Alexander-Arnold, and like rugby with a line-out or a scrum, set plays, again, if I can use your phrase in the World Cup, no, no, no scrum, mate, no life. And in football... I know now from my work at Brentford that set plays are key to being successful. But as he put the ball down, he looked up, he could see that no one from Barcelona was talking, no one was paying attention. The keeper wasn't looking. He put the ball down, he quickly turned around, he whipped the ball in, and that was the winning goal. And I look at and I look how you coach, and I think you've always wanted your players to take control and have autonomy on the field. So it's not just a complete script from one to eighty, is it? No, no, not at all. And I think rugby increasingly has become, it's always been a player's game, but it's even more so now because the level of decision-making is just, is just so high. You know, just if you look at the breakdown, 
20 years ago, there was eight Fords at every breakdown. 15 years ago, there was four Fords. Now you're trying to win it with two Fords. And now you're trying to win it with as many as you need. If you need one, you want one. That level of decision-making has gone into every part of the game. So you need to be able to equip your players to, to make those decisions and make those decisions quickly. And, and certainly that's changed the way you, you coach in rugby a lot, that you're asking the players to take on more responsibility, be, try to equip them to make decisions quicker, be able to communicate those, those decisions on the field in a in a way that's appropriate to the receiver. Just on that, and we talked about trust earlier, so so if you flip that, is it really important to have a competitive environment in training where players can challenge one another and the tactics? Is, is that where creativity is fostered? Yeah, well, I think it does. But before that, you need to have that clarity of how you want to play. So you need mm. to have a, a strong base. This is how we want to play. But if the opposition do this and we've got to adapt, and then the, the, the trust level then is tested because people have got to make decisions on the field. And, and that's so important. And so your training environment and your, your team environment is, is about building that trust, building those relationships between players so that they can have those robust uh, performance discussions on the field. We live in a world of, of, of information and data, which we need more than ever, and science, particularly with the global pandemic, because I, I listen to people at the moment who say, I don't know, because we don't know the answers yet. Do you still, with all the information you now receive as a, as a leader and as a coach, do you still trust your gut instinct in certain situations because you know it's either right or wrong? And is that still allowable in this era? I just read a, uh, a great book on that called Astro Ball. I don't know whether you've read it. It's on the Houston, yeah. it's Houston Astros. And it's, about, and it's probably not a good story to tell because they've just been, the championships have just been taken away, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. but, it, but it just talks about the fact of how important it is that intuition with data is the key. And, and it's always, you know, sport's always been this mixture of, of science and art. And we tend to go to the extremes. So we went to the science extreme and now it's coming back because I'll never look at data unless I see it in the game. So once I see something in the game, I'll, I'll ask the analyst to then go and check it for me to see whether that's correct. Because I think your intuition is just so important. And I think it's one of the things with young coaches now that they've become so reliant on video that they've got to trust their eyes uh, much more. Yeah, one of the, one of the things just on that line in the World Cup we did the first four weeks we didn't use GPS because we wanted the the coaches to feel the session was the session right and so get a picture in your head of what what a right session is then we can use the GPS later to check that because what what has been happening is that coaches have become reliant on GPS to give them the information whereas their eyes should be telling them what's right for the players you know it's like training racehorses there's always a way to make a horse run faster but you've got to look at the horse see what he needs does he need to gallop hard today or does he need just a nice trot ice bath what does he need to be at his best so and and football players and and rugby players are the same You've got that science to back up, but you've got to be looking at them with your eyes. I, I live in horse racing country here, Eddie, as I look out from this, from talking to you this morning, and I can see horses training the distance, and that's what I did in my youth. And I've always, I've always trusted farmers and stock, stockmen a great deal because they, they, they had to react at the moment. They couldn't wait for a yeah. printout. They couldn't wait for the vet to arrive. And, and you have to make those calls constantly. And 
I, I'm 58, nearly 59 now, and I still trust my, my gut instinct. I still trust my eye. I encourage young coaches to do the same. And I've got a book here on my shelf here called Gut, just on the workings of the gut, because I think yeah. it's just incapable of lying to us. It, it can't lie. It keeps us alive. It also yeah. it teaches us new skills every day. But, and I do hope in sports still, which is the data, as you call it, is, is key. But you must always have the courage to trust your eye and instinct. Otherwise, you'll, you'll never make a decision. Yeah, no, 100% spot on. Sorry, Michael, just one final one from me. Eddie, you've mentioned a couple of other sports there. And I know you like the Houston Texans and the NFL. And you mentioned the Astros and the MLB too. And you spent some time with the Melbourne Storm as well as some other leaders. I think just reflecting on that, how have you learned from the other sports and other leaders? And how has that, along with you coaching in different countries and environments through your career, helped to shape you? as a coach and a leader these last few years in particular? One thing about that is just knowing that you're never, you're never there. You're always trying to get there. And there's always people out there with better ideas. And I think Pep summed it up nicely. You want to be an idea thief. <laughs> that you want to go around, try to find people that are smarter than you, pick their brains, find out how you can do things better, and then go back to your team and work out how you put it into your team. And the fault, some people make is just they just put it back into your team but it's got to work for your team because every team is different you know it doesn't matter whether it's a work team a, a rugby team they're all different they're all made up differently and they they're always dynamically changing your ability to assess and evaluate what's right for that team at the time is a really important thing Eddie, um, just can I say thank you for this morning or this afternoon in Japan? It's been fascinating. Uh, I've met you twice, and it's been okay. One day I might even meet you live. In, you know, I don't know if we're ever, ever ever able to shake your hand, but if if I do meet you, I look forward to that because it's been engaging. You've kept me on my toes, and I hope I've asked semi-competent questions to, uh, no, to to help your afternoon also. And hope to see you back in the UK soon. But thank you very much indeed. And I'll hand you back to Matt. All right. Final one from me, Eddie. Are there any recommendations of books, podcasts, or even some brain candy on Netflix and Amazon Prime that has been keeping you occupied that you can recommend to anyone listening? Uh, a couple of good books. Uh, one uh, by Ma the last one by Malcolm Gladwell, I think, is worth a read. Talking to strangers, um, just about how you can get more out of conversation. It's quite a. I found it to be a difficult read, but. Definitely worthwhile. Also reading one on uh, Tom Coughlin at the moment, Earn the Right. The first chapter's outstanding. If the rest of the chapters are, are as good as that, it'll be a, a great coaching book. Um, I, I enjoyed watching that Sunderland Till I Die, just <laughs> yeah, about the mechanics right. mechanics of the ownership and, and how they relate to the, the rest of the team. I thought that was outstanding. Um, apart from that, um, the other one, one of our staff put me on to, which I... I'm not in the music, but I love the the Fiant ones. It was really good. I think mm -hmm. that's on Netflix as well about Dr. Dre and mm -hmm. the headphones. That was fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely. Good, man. I, I really appreciate you chatting to us for half an hour today. Uh, pleasure. Uh, uh, I know you're busy out there in Japan. It's, it's always a pleasure, Eddie. So looking forward to seeing you again in person when you're back in the UK soon. Yeah, no, same to you guys. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, Eddie. Cheers. Thank you. That's it for another episode, but you can find this podcast and the others as well as much more on the Leaders Content Hub and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Eddie and England Rugby are members of our Performance Institute, so if you'd want access to all the latest video, audio and written content like them, and to be part of our worldwide network of over 150 teams, then head to the home of Total High Performance at leadersinsport.com forward slash performance to find out more. 
Once again, thank you to Mr. John Porch, who behind the scenes is knitting all these podcasts together and making them all possible. Top man. Until next time, stay safe and keep thinking. Speak soon.